Hey, everybody. It's Wednesday night. It's the Longhorn live stream. My name is Ray Peters alongside Justin Wells and Rod Babers. Hey, there's a poster over there uh, typing up something named Connor Vaughn. He says, Rod, put the baby to sleep and get the show started. So that's what we did. Rod rested <laughs> Monroe over into the baby crib and we got going there, Connor. So you got some influence, buddy. So you better send us a super <laughs> chat later on and pay for that. Uh, Rod was showing that 4-3 speed getting the baby to the crib. Let's go, man. Uh, Hey, again, Wednesday night is a big week uh, for Texas Longhorns. You got the Big 12 Championship coming up Saturday up in Arlington against Oklahoma State. Starts at 11 o'clock in the morning, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Some uh, big news from the Big 12 as well. And we got uh, Justin Wells here. You know how Barbara Walters, they always said she put that fuzzy lens on the cameras to make her look uh, flawless. I think Justin's kind of using the Barbara Walters lens tonight. Uh, he's, he's got a little, his computer's acting up a little bit like mine did apparently last week. I apologize for that crappy feed that you guys suffered through last week. Hopefully I'm looking a little bit better tonight. Of course, maybe I look better if the, the damn camera's broken. But uh, that's another story. But uh, Justin, <laughs> let's talk about the Big 12 teams that uh, came out. We got, uh, hey, years passed. Sometimes the Longhorns barely showed up on those lists. But that ain't the story. And 2023, we got some good players. We got the Jimmys and the Joes to go with the X's and the O's. Let's talk about some of the uh, award winners that came out today from the conference. Yeah, you know, it's, it's pretty standard for Texas fans to get pretty upset this week, uh, this month, every year, especially in the last seven to eight years, maybe even a little bit longer. Uh, they always feel like they get snubbed on a lot of the players. And there's some justifications there as recently as last year, Jalen Ford not becoming, you know, not being the defensive player of the year. Um, that did not happen this year. Now, granted, I can still make a few arguments on a few of these guys, but I think you can do that in every aspect when it comes out to a superlatives list, rather it be all district, all conference, you know, all American, things of that sort. I, I think you can may always have arguments, but Texas didn't have to argue with anything. Seven guys on the first team, a, hand, a couple of a superlatives, um, a lot of respect uh, around the board. Second team, honorable mentions, basically three-fourths of the starters. Uh, I like some of the guys down there getting uh, votes for special teams player of the year in a Keaton Crawford and a, and a Burt Auburn and, and Trill Carter getting a newcomer of the year vote and, you know, things of that sort. It just shows the depth. I think I've said this since week one. I think the depth is why Texas is so good. They're veterans and there's depth and they, they can. there's a lot of good players there. Um, Tavondre Sweat, Defensive Player of the Year. That's a no-brainer. I think the Big 12 would have looked pretty silly mm -hmm. uh, if they would have went another direction. <laughs> I told Joe Cook, our trusty managing editor at InsideTexas.com, come see us. We, it, it's, it's Big 12 championship season, man. It's Oklahoma State week, which Rod and, and Ray and I are going to get into mm -hmm. soon. you got to come hang out with us. It is crazy portal season. It's all that fun stuff. Joe and I were talking, and I said, you know what? I bet they split. Uh, Sweat and, and Mitchell, I said, I, I tell you, I, I bet they do. And I'm glad they did because yeah. I think they both deserved what they got. I loved Anthony Hill getting the co-defensive uh, freshman of the year, A.D. Mitchell on the other side as, as the uh, offensive newcomer of the year. But the only one thing I have, I have one rub about, I have a couple of them, but that, and that's what we, that's the fun part of this. Say I it. Have, I have one rub. Say and, it. And it's, it's, it's Say John it. A. Barron. Damn right. Team. Say you it. Know, <laughs> this guy has been arguably the best DB. My man Ian Boyd tweeted this earlier. The best DB in the Big 12 in the last two seasons 
and he's never been on the first team. And I mean, yeah. it, you know, people I don't think understand and appreciate how good that guy is. They don't. The NFL does. I can promise you that right now the NFL does. And the amount of corner he's been playing lately, people I don't think even know that. Like he is as versatile as it gets. He's smart and he's behind sweat, the most important component on that defense, in my opinion. He and he's playing hurt. He just goes. Yeah, and yeah. so that's my one little rub, but it was a good day. Steve Sarkeesian not getting coach of the year. I see both mm-hmm. sides of it. I, I think Mike Gundy winning, it's almost silly considering I mean, he had a guy named Ollie South Gordon Alabama. that he pretty much rode. Oh, and also, they lost to South Alabama and Central Florida 45-3. to Maybe they, the Big 12 didn't want to give Sark too much credit. They didn't want to give Texas too much love. They didn't want to make it too much. But you know what? Those little things, Sark not winning it. Barron being, uh, you know, down on on the second team. A few other spots as well. Don't be surprised if there's some added motivation to a group that is already highly motivated. Today just justified uh, an incredible eleven one season so far. Yeah, yeah. That, that that chips uh, firmly planted on the shoulder. I th- Brown from West Virginia ha- had a case for being coach of the year too because no one expected yeah, yeah. that team to do anything absolutely yeah. hell I, I thought matt campbell did a decent job after the scandal and having oh, guys yes games. and then this they won like four games on the road rod I, I exactly i thought they were done i was like there's no way they're gonna make a bogey i thought there were a few good coaching jobs you're right about sark though sark definitely had his case well here's the thing I, about sark too rod sark everyone picked texas to win the big 12 and so I almost hold that against Sark. And I know that's not fair or doesn't sound fair. You're right, but, it is. But listen, yeah. like he was expected to get here. He did a tremendous job. The depth was tremendous. The development over the last two years, the culture, all that. I think it's more of a bigger picture thing if there was an award for that with Sark. For this point, though, I can see them going in one or two different directions. Gundy wouldn't be one, but I could have seen them going in one or other two directions. But Sark was almost expected to win the Big 12. And I think that was also part of the vote. I actually, I, I defend Gundy's case. I do. I, you got to think, if you're watching what Gundy did, Gundy essentially was holding tryouts in the first three games of the season. Now, that's nobody's fault but his own. All right? He was stubborn to do it. He was rotating quarterbacks, decided on the QB. And even after that, what they lose to, I think it was Iowa State, actually. And everybody pretty much wrote off Oklahoma State. Thought they had no chance to make it to the Big 12 title uh, game. Rod comes back, so he froze up. So, uh and there you go, Rod. You froze up just a second. Please continue. Oh, sorry. Your thought. And you can make the argument that they that honestly that they still don't belong in the Big 12 title game, but they pulled off some huge wins. I'll give Gundy credit. I think Gundy's done a really good job. This is probably his least talented team that he's made into a mm-hmm. Big 12 title game with, too. Yeah, he, he can coach. I mean, he's proved that over a couple of decades now up in Stillwater. Uh, we already have some uh super chats uh coming in. So Matthew, let me uh have you just throw up uh one to get started, and we'll go ahead and uh, recognize some of these questions that are coming in. Again, the Super Chat, uh, some of you youngsters out there know this a lot better than the old guy now uh, talking to you on the microphone there, but uh, you can clearly uh, click on an icon there and a little money sign, I believe it is, and uh, get your uh, comment or question uh, sent to the top of the line, and we're happy to address that and uh, talk about it. Justin Yarbrough, like to say frequent flyer, Justin. Thanks so much for uh, popping in as you do just about every Wednesday night, it seems, and you uh, frequently get your questions uh, put up front and center. And so he says to Justin Wells, "Let's hear some more recruiting updates 
Or did you see Justin Scott has flipped to Miami? So, uh, hey, man, I'll throw a name out to you, Justin, the kid from Connolly. Uh, I know there's a little bit of news there on uh, Kobe Black. Uh, pushing it back a little bit more, huh? Not so much pushing it back. He had a date the 29th. Um, <laughs> Conley has to host state one act plays in the auditorium where Kobe wants to have the ceremony. So he had to push it back a few days, few weeks, what, what have you. And this is the date that wound up working out best. Um, yeah. He pushed it back once or twice once, uh, but here's the thing. Co Co fans are more impatient about Kobe than Kobe is about this process. And they're just going to have to, you know, that's, that's their own problem. They're going to have to get situated in their own britches. Uh, Kobe's going to do this on his timetable. <laughs> the way he wants this is trended texas for the majority uh since at least july possibly august a lot of connections a lot of good vibes there uh still you know three 13 14 days till he announces anything's possible but uh you know it, it, it's kobe black wanting to just do it his way and listen every single recruitment is different every single one they go through is different and this is the way Kobe wants to handle it. He wants to make sure every one of his family members, including his brother, the corner at Oklahoma State, is going to be there. And for everybody to line up and be there at once, I think he also wants his former Conley teammates, Texas football players, Jelani McDonald and Trey Wisner there as well. And so th th there's a lot of logistics that Kobe considers important that fans consider impatient. And at the end of the day, Kobe's going to do what he wants to do. So I, I don't think there's much more than, yeah, his date is now De uh, December 13th. Uh, it's on a Wednesday. And, of course, inside Texas, myself, will be in uh, be in the gym. Okay. Uh, anything else, Xavier, Phil, same, any updates there? We did uh, hear about the Corey Raymond. Well, we just lost Justin. Justin might uh, – he has a, his computer. He's been waiting on his computer to kind of ramp back up, and so he may join us uh, soon on uh, his uh, computer and maybe he won't be using the Barbara Walters filter moving forward. So uh, I'm here. Okay. Hey, Phil's Ray, okay. You said Corey Phil Same. Did you want yeah. an update on Phil Same or did, was that rubble talking yeah, about? Well, does the Corey Raymond thing have any yeah. effect on anything? Yes. Yes. How let's much? Let's explain to everybody what that means. So he's, he was let go as a DB coach at Florida, correct? Yes. He, uh, he was okay. the con he's the safety coach. For, for the Florida Gators, where he was a couple of, until a couple of days ago, and that was one of Xavier Philsame's main contacts, not the only one. He had actually built up a pretty good rapport with other members of the staff and recruits and commits in that class. Uh, but this one hurt. This one hurt him. Uh, and, and I don't know if he saw this one coming. The defensive staff's been changed up a little bit, and I think that's what Billy Napier had to do to kind of right the ship in the swamp right now. Gainesville's putting taking on water. And they should be a little bit better than they are. That Florida State game was almost telling when it wasn't Jordan Travis they have they were having a face. Which if that if that loss actually happens, Texas probably is popped in right underneath the college football playoff. And depending on a win or loss to this weekend, they're probably in the playoff. It was that close. Um, Phil Sane in Florida, he's he maintains he's there, but listen, he popped in on campus in Texas a couple of weeks ago. And so to see practice, did it kind of under the radar? I anticipate him setting an official visit within the next week or so. Uh, we'll we'll see how how that transpires. But yes, the Corey Raymond uh, change in guard definitely affects that recruitment. Uh, you know, Texas got in it late; they late to the party, but at least they brought the best cake. 
And so right now it feels like if they can just get him back on campus, get him for that official, that's when I could really see a flip pretty much instantly. If they don't get him there within the next week or so, that one's going to be tougher and tougher to, to, to make. And this is basically closing up the class of 2024, the cycle. They're still talking to defensive lineman Terrence Tibbler, uh, a Mississippi State commit. You know, there's a coaching change there when they let go of Arnett. Now you've got Jeff Levy in there. So defensive players probably should beware, beware of Starkville. Similar to when uh, Mike Leach was at Texas Tech, you know, defensive players beware going to Lubbock because complimentary football does not exist in that mm-hmm. dynamic. Uh, but Phil Sam in Texas could happen. There's some recruiting going on. Jordan Johnson Rebel, Texas commit out of IMG, is recruiting Phil Sam. They both play Good. safety. That's what I love about this class and these guys. It's such high eval guys that Sark has really nailed in this 2024 class. And Rubel, Johnson Rubel, big-time kid, going to be in, uh, enrolling early. He's going to be there so soon. He could be there for a bowl practice. He's going to be enrolling because IMG actually gets out on the 18th. So he would be able to, to move to Austin you know, a week later. Um, it's going to be exciting. This class is, is finishing strong. Kobe Black's in a great spot. There's there's trajectory there's some some good vibes there with, with with xavier phil same and you never know there might be another name that pops up within the next few days next week that texas you know becomes a flip candidate becomes a, a guy that they really wanted early and then all of a sudden uh you know they get reacquainted that's the beauty of it getting this close guys we're we're, we're under a month and for me yeah. that means it, this is this has gone from the off season to the exhibition games except rather than the nfl these matter yeah, there you go. Hey, uh, Matthew, this is a good opportunity to maybe uh, put up the uh, code for Inside Texas because uh, Justin and his crew are always uh, over there cranking out a lot of content and some uh, inside information. And it's a well-named website, Inside Texas, because you get inside information on the Texas sports programs, not just football. But if you're watching this, you're probably a football fan. But uh, we have you on everything over there at Inside Texas. There's a promo code you can use, OTF. IT23 that'll get you two months of a subscription for just one dollar that takes you well into 2024 and uh even though almost almost takes you to the next uh signing period there of course the december signing period now has become uh, the predominant one it seems but uh once you get into that uh two month uh, subscription you'll like it so much you'll sign up and and keep on board and they always have some uh some deals as well, perhaps to kind of get you to stick around. I probably shouldn't say that, but that's some insider information from inside Texas. There you go. There you go. Uh, let's get uh, back to some uh, more questions. I got one for Rod, actually, just on the Corey Raymond concept. And we don't need to spend a lot of time on this, but you were a you know pursued recruit. Were you more devoted or interested in the school you were to attend or the coaches? What how did you view that when you were a recruit? Were you looking more at the uh, college and uh, the program, or did you like the uh, group of coaches you'd be playing through? Uh, for me, it was more about the school. Um, and, you know, I remember uh, the coaches that recruited me. I mean, I remember Coach uh, Coach Withers was the DB coach at the time. Uh, coach Bull Reese was Everett? the coordinator. Yeah, or Everett Withers was the DB I coach. I didn't know that. Oh, I know yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and I loved Coach Withers. He was great. Uh, but then Coach Akini came in later. But it was more about the school to me. I, I had, yeah. you know, people around me that told me, hey, man, you need to make sure you're focused on the school. Um, great advice from R.C. Slocum, who once told me, yeah. hey, if you want your parents to go to the games, 
you need to stay in the state of Texas. That got me into a deeper conversation with other people I talked to in recruiting at Texas about who convinced me like, hey, man, where you want to live? Think about where you want to live. All right. And where you're going to live as a, you want to live in Texas. Hey, man, you want to go to school in Texas. Right. Just helps to have those connections in Texas. Um, so it was more about the institution. It is more about staying in the state. Yes. That means I was always I was almost an Aggie. Uh, thank God for Mac Brown. Um, <laughs> you weren't the um, only one. There yeah, was a group was, like that. Exactly. Chance Mock. Chance Mock was yeah. almost an Aggie. Marcus yeah. Johnson was almost an Aggie. Listen, man, th- there were some guys that had to come the other way. Exactly. All right. But as I was, I thank God Mac Brown sat on my mama's couch and drank her sweet tea because I'm a Longhorn. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I, it was more about the school to me, but I totally understand why guys get attached to certain coaches. I get it because recruiting, Justin knows this better than anybody, knows it better than me, is about relationships. And man, when those relationships are strong, sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they get, you guys get really, really, as loyalty becomes really, really uh, strong and it becomes a big factor in those situations. And, you know, I, that's why it was tough for me at times to call a coach as a young man and tell him, hey, you know yeah. what, um, I'm I'm cutting off this recruitment. You know what I mean? I, I apologize because I like the person, um, but I had to understand at the time that it was it was a waste of his time and a waste of my time if I was not interested uh, in that relationship at all. And it, it was. It was. My dad made me do it a, t- a few times, and, man, it, it hurt. It hurt mm. me. But it made yeah. me it made me a, it made me a more mature person at the time. Yeah, no Rod, I've but, had players, prospects coming up tell me that's the hardest part of the entire process. Whoa, Especially whoa. if you take it out, he's like it, it's it's you know there's such an, an an elation when you call the coach. But before oh. you know, most kids I think do this. Not all of them. Some some coaches have to find out the hard way on social media, but or at InsideTexas.com. But I like, you know, but but sometimes it, it, it's unique because, you know, they're, they're so much more involved with it now. So mm-hmm. I, I think that that's yeah. that's the funnest part about you have to tell them no. That's like the first big manly decision a 17, 18-year-old has to kind of make. And you should, you know, you're obviously, you know, gracious that you had a family back there to, to help you make that. I think a lot of times we, we don't see that sometimes in recruiting in the current in the current state. But that's they, that's the one common they've always told me. I hate calling the other coach and telling them no because if you've recruited them that long and you've yeah. listened to them and talked to them, you have yeah. built a an emotional bond. Rather, yeah. it's small or large, it's an emotional bond. And so it's only natural to have to tell somebody you really like, "Hey, man, I'm going another way," especially when it's a rival. Oh, mm. oh, yeah. that's yeah. a good point. Cuts deep. Hey. Matthew, I'm going to go to uh, Kevin Jones' super chat. We're sa- Daniel Kinnaman, we appreciate yours. We're going to get to yours probably a little bit later, so you got to stick around to hear that. But I wanted to kind of do that when we start talking about more uh, Oklahoma State in the playoffs. But uh, Kevin Jones uh, wants to know about uh, people going to the pros. So is it presumptuous for you guys to tell us who you think is going to go uh, to the NFL or at least give it a shot, meaning uh, Coach Sarkeesian could get some or all of his stars to stay now we know that's not going to happen because we have guys who are legitimate uh, nfl prospects but what do you uh, let's throw a couple of minutes uh at uh who we think uh might surprise and stick around and who might be the guys who would be better served to just go ahead and take that next step quinn might stick that's the big one right quinn quinn's quinn's quinn right now is going to stick Right now, that's that's the decision. They make a college football playoff run. They win the Natty. All bets are off. 
Okay, yeah. that's when you're at your yeah. highest. But right now, that that's the that's the agreement. That, that, yeah. that's the assumption. I heard Winston, Mel Kiper. I heard Mel Kiper say that he 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 believes he should come back. Too. Yes, and that's he was on the going in the first round, top fifteen for six months up until the shoulder injury. And then after that, people start thinking, all right, they're, they're pushing him back. Other guys were, were going forward. A Jalen a Daniels or Jaden Daniels, rather, uh, oh, yeah. Michael Penix. Other guys were kind of J.J. McCarthy's really solid. That's a guy that's going to play in the league for eight to ten years because he ought to make mistakes. He's, he's, he understands the offenses. So the quarterback pool in 2024 is ridiculously deep. Mm-hmm. So you, you're going to lose leverage just because of the fact that they're going to have 12 to 15 signal callers drafted next April. You go to 2025, there's like three. Mm-hmm. And so three top-tier type potential guys. You put Quinn in that circumstance, he comes back, he has NIL, he gets experience, and then he actually hits a higher jackpot a year from now. That's, mm-hmm. my, that's, that's my projection with, with Quinn. Jatavian Sanders – He's that's a second round pick. That's probably the second or third guy that gets drafted uh, from the Longhorns, assuming Sweat goes in the first round. Uh, Byron Murphy's already in, in, accepted an invite, obviously, to the Senior Bowl. He's going to get into the draft. I've heard he's more of a third, fourth, fifth round type guy. There's a length issue there, but everything else computes. Alfred what Collins about, is the yeah. one that I think people want that I think could stay. And Alfred Collins is, I was told, you know, if you could put uh, Alfred, uh, Byron Murphy's body and Alfred Collins or Byron Murphy's mind and Alfred Collins body, you've got the first pick in the draft. Collins coming back could benefit more than anybody. And I think yeah. he's been watching sweat and some of those other guys. And I think he's bought into the idea of him and Vernon Broughton kind of bookending each other or being there to kind of help going into the SEC. Collins is one I think I would stick. Here's one for you, Rod. I've had a source tell me that there's there's a good chance that Keaton Crawford gets drafted in April. You know, th- there was, you know, there was talk that, you know, he could stay, he could leave, didn't know what's going to happen. But there's, you know, there's a special teams guy, or, you know, in Texas and, and scouts in those area, and they think he's the best special teams gunner in, the co- in college football. And they're like, that guy would go in the fifth, sixth, or seventh round and stick as a special team guy for, you know, five, six, seven years possibly. He's going to test crazy. He's already big. He's going to test crazy. Uh, Christian Jones doesn't seem like his draft stock's that high. Feels like a fifth to seventh rounder there with his size. And he's, he's been healthy for the most part. I was a little surprised by that. Jonathan Brooks coming back is should happen, you would think, yeah. right, Rod? But I, I don't know because, you know, do you want the NFL to pay for your rehab or is coming back to Texas in a backfield that's going to be even deeper in the yeah, spring? I mean, deeper in the spring. And so, you know, you have that question as well. I'm curious what you think. Uh, we know, um, I, I, you know, you've got David Benda. He could go either way right now. I think that's one that we're monitoring. And so can you think of any other players? Ryan Watts is another one. I do feel like he's going to – enter his name into the draft i've been told he's more of a fourth fifth maybe, maybe you, you didn't you didn't mention xavier worthy but i think everyone has seen xavier. xavier worthy will go in the late i've been told mid late second early third uh adnan mitchell is actually supposed to go before him i was told yeah. texas will have one first round they should have one first round pick and that's sweat they're thinking 15 to 30 range second round they could have as many as three or four and then the next day, you're talking about three or four more in the first next few rounds. They are deep. 
This is going to be a better draft than last year, and last year's draft was not bad. Yeah. Yeah. At which spots, Rod, of those guys I mentioned, which one do you feel like should stay, should go, would benefit? You know, what because your eyes are a lot, you see it differently. I see it from talking to scouts, talking to, to NFL draft guys. Uh, you see it from like actual football eyes. What do you see from those guys? Kind of the ones I talked about. And, and it was, is there anyone else that I may have missed? Uh, no, I don't think you missed anybody. I mean, I think right now Quinn probably benefits the most coming back. Alfred Collins benefits uh, the, a lot coming back because he's seen the developmental track of the guys in front of him, KJ yes. Colburn, Tamara Ojabos, seeing Tavondre Sweat now play himself into being a first-round pick, uh, develop like, you know, Byron Murphy, obviously another guy's going to be drafted second, you know, third round. Um, so I think he, 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 he tends to, I think, among all those guys, I think he probably tracks to benefit even probably as much more so than Quinn because Quinn was projected to be a first round yes. pick even coming yes. into college. Uh, yeah. Alfred Thomas, one of those guys that had all the raw materials, uh, yeah. but we haven't seen him put it together. It'd be a beautiful thing to see him uh, start to have the light go off and really start to become an NFL player with a Sunday skill set. He's got the the body. There's no question about him. Mean, he's got a guy that uh, he's got a Sunday body and all the raw measurables. Uh, but we want somebody to see him have that mentality you talked about, Justin. You want to see him have that uh, that physicality. You would like to see him have that, that ferocious <laughs> style of play. Um, and I think that's something that he can come back and probably put on film a little bit more consistently. Um, JT Sanders is a guy that's going to make money in the NFL. I mean, it doesn't I, he can come back and increase his draft stock, but I don't think it would matter as much considering what the tight end position is. Um, he's going to get drafted yeah. in the second round or, you know, maybe late second. Uh, all he could do is work himself into being a first round pick. But I think for him, uh, he can go to the NFL and learn everything he needs to learn, which is being a more reliable, consistent blocker. But that's a guy that can play right away in the league as a pass catcher. I mean, he can yeah. go to the league and play right away as a guy situationally that can go in there and win one-on-one matchups on the outside. So I think he's a guy that goes. Um, I got two. We've got we had two of them named over here that I didn't mention, and I want I want I want you to grab them, you and Ray, Jake Majors, and Jade Barron. Now, all I'll say is with Jake Majors, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back. Don't be shocked. Okay, just don't be shocked if Jake Majors mm-hmm. actually plays another year at Texas. Don't be shocked. The other hand, Jade Barron, I would be the most shocked if he came back. Jade Barron, I believe, is NFL ready. I know mentally and emotionally he is NFL ready. I would be very surprised if he came back. Nothing official. That's all speculation. But, yeah, your thoughts on those two. Jade Barron's ready to go. Yeah, Jade is ready to go for sure. Uh, Jake, um, the fan base keeps wanting to replace Jake Majors every year. Yeah. But uh, your center, I mean, Rod, correct me. I mean, you're the football guy. I mean, centers are typically the ones who make the line calls, right? So how valuable is a guy with four or five years experience doing that as you move into the (laughs) SEC? So you kind of need a guy like that. So he may not be the biggest guy, the most powerful guy, and he may not be the highest rated guy that's ever, you know, joined the Longhorns program, but uh, he's a steady guy. And he's, he's been a, a good uh, Longhorn, and so uh, maybe this is not the year to trot someone new out there. But if so, if Jake wants to come back, I'm welcoming him back. Uh, Barron's clearly an, an awesome player. I saw Jerry Jones hugging Sarkeesian before the 
the game the other day. And so Paxton Anderson there, I mean, I know everybody says that he helped get to Overshow drafted to Dallas. So maybe uh, Judea will wind up working for a Dan Quinn if uh, Quinn stays around in Dallas. So Man, we'll man with Trevion Diggs, Deron Bland, the new yep. world history record holder. <laughs> he has there five pick sixes, and there are still six games left yeah. in the season. Crazy. The man from Fresno State. Oh, yep. man, he is a dog. Yep. And Trayvon Diggs is out for the year. Stephon yeah. Gilmore's doing his thing on the other side. Oh, don't get me on Cowboys talk because Dan Quinn is doing his thing and Dak Prescott is doing his thing. And all those yeah. naysayers need to be quiet. You know, fanatical. I'm, I apologize for stepping on everybody. I'm not going to get a mean chat uh, for, for doing that. I apologize, everybody. Um, I got a message. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> uh-uh. Matthew, uh, he's the Eagles fan, so he uh, weighed in on the chat there. With, uh, <laughs> private, uh, private messaging there. We'll leave that one alone. John Campbell has a, a super chat. So uh, he's just kind of being congratulatory here, gentlemen. Says it's been a while since he's hopped on. And, John, thanks, man. That's very generous. We, we really appreciate it, buddy. Thank you, John. Since he's Thank you on. so much, see you boys. He just wanted to pop up and say how awesome y'all are. And says we're uh, he just tells us what we recognize here that we're grateful for. We're about two thousand subscribers away from thirty thousand, and I heard Bobby say that maybe a year ago we were at seven. So things have uh, really uh, picked up here at uh, Inside Texas on Texas Football, and uh, he just wants to know this will be you, Justin, because I don't even know who Carlin Jones is. So help help me understand what uh, John's asking. Carlin Jones Who's Carlin? is that? Carlin Jones, a high-end defensive lineman out of uh, – I can't remember where he's from. He was com- uh, committed uh, – I think he flipped from Ohio State maybe. I think it was Ohio State to Miami. Um, he's one of those kind of guys that's, you know, just a high-end guy. I, I, I don't think Texas is going to get guys like that. Like, I think Texas is pretty much done. Um, it, it, and here's another thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he was the decommit from Nebraska. Now I remember. Um, okay. Defensive lineman, that's the right guy. He's probably going to flip to Ohio State. Yeah, at this stage, the only ones that I think Texas would jump into really more late here would be more local guys rather than than someone out of state, someone, you know, that they may not have as good a relationship with. Sometimes the ones that are in state that are closer, you can find a a quicker connection with a coach, an assistant, a teacher, a parent, an uncle, somebody like that. So I don't see them doing that. It'd be cool if they did, but – Listen, when a kid decommits from one school and he immediately becomes predicted to go to the other, another school, nine times out of ten, he's going to that other school. That's why yeah. he decommitted. And There's a the, reason. If you jump into it, you're probably just a phone call away because that's they're not going to waste resources there. Listen, they're already scaling up this 2025 class, and they're going to go big in this cycle. And there are some good, good players, especially on the D-line, linebacker. There are some studs in state in the next cycle. And so for 2024, outside of Kobe Black, Xavier Filsame, Terrence Sibler, there might be a few names uh, at the end of the day, maybe a Miles Davis safety out of Converse Judson A&M commit. You never know. A Ty Anthony Smith, the linebacker out of Jasper. He, he canceled his visit, but, but but you never know. And so with all those kind of guys, that you, you just you never know at the end of the day. So, mm-hmm. Hey, Matthew, let's put Kevin Jones' uh, most recent uh, question up just because it kind of 
goes well with what we've already talked about. We don't need to spend a lot more time on this because we've kind of already addressed some of this, but he wonders if players like uh, Xavier Worthy and others are too young to go to the pros without a degree. They may not last long in the pros due to injury, and they may regret not having a degree. Rod, let me get you to just throw a, a, a comment towards that. I mean, that's obviously a case every young man would have to weigh, uh, you know, the pros and cons of that. What do you, what do you think about Kevin's question? Uh, it's not as much of a concern as it used to be uh, because the NFL offers programs for you to go back and the NFL reimburses you for going back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, NIL now, so these guys have now money that they can make and be compensated for their name, which is like this while they're in school. So hopefully they're saving some of that money right? um, and they're putting that to the side. So that would help them as well because you can always go save that money and go back to school. University of Texas if you are a scholarship athlete, allows you to come back to school on the school's dime like I did and graduate. Now, that is something that's special to University of Texas because University of Texas has the resources to do it. Not all universities and institutions can do that, but University of Texas can and they do. So for UT athletes, they really don't, as long as you don't flunk out of school or you're not kicked out of school, you can go back to UT and get your degree. So, Kevin, Texas athletes don't have to worry about that as much as other athletes from other universities. Now, at other schools that don't have that program, that is a real That should be more publicized, Rod. That should be more of a selling point. That should be more vocalized across the interwebs. Because, like you said, that they they don't do that at every school. And Texas has been really good. It's former athletes, former student athletes, guys of that sort, in in doing that. And I think Texas deserves more credit, and people don't know that as much. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. No, I'm honestly, I I still don't know exactly how it works. I was told there's a special fund. um, Yes. Yes. I know a couple guys that have used it. Absolutely. Take care of former athletes, but not just football players. it's not just football, but guys go no. back as far as I'm talking about the 70s and yes. 80s. Guys, wait, guys, 30, 40 years ago come. Guys found out for me that you could go back and decide, hey man, I'm gonna go. Can I go back? And I was like, I think you need to go talk to the administrators and go talk to the decision makers. And it's a pretty simple process. Matt Brown was the one that encouraged me to come back to school once I was done playing. So Justin's right. It should be something that's talked about more. I don't know if UT actually promotes it like they should, uh, but it's part of what makes them a special, uh, unique, and a great institution because they do try to take care of the former student-athletes. That's good to know. And Rod, you took Mac's advice, came back, became a a sideline reporter on the radio, and then started criticizing his teams on the radio, and he had to call (laughs) you to the office and yell at you. When did when did when did it go from coaching to criticism? I don't get that. Like, why does it why does it have to be stigmatized as criticism? Hey, it's, it's it, the truth. Yeah, exactly. What it was was the truth, and yeah, <laughs> he didn't like it. I should have stated it a different way. <laughs> I don't know. You you kind of addressed this. Ashton Holloman wants to know. I don't know if we want to spend more time on this, but it's kind of. I mean, if you're willing to talk about it, it's on, it's on yeah. Google. Me and, on Matt, Google. Me, me and Matt have settled it, but it's not a big deal. When I, I was – Matt didn't like that I called out the team, and that's fine because <laughs> – and Matt said, hey, if you were on my team, I'd take up for you too. And he was right about that. You know, that's a good point, and I appreciate him, Matt, on that. And we just had professional differences, and I think his big issue was I questioned the 
the football IQ of the defense. That's where that's that's really got him upset about the football IQ. He's very protective, like you learn. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I said. Mac, Mac was taking up for his guys, and I get it. But I told Mac, like like, I got it for you. I gotta take. I got. I got an audience, right? And I got a job to do, right? All right. Yeah. I got a. I got a duty to my audience, or a responsibility <laughs> to the audience. They want to hear me tell it like it is. Give my opinion, and I had to give my opinion. And I thought the defense exhibited some low football IQ plays, and so we disagreed on that. We agreed to disagree. Yeah. Uh, then after a couple of months of just agreeing to disagree, we you know we hashed it out and hugged it out, and now me and Mac are cool. And Max, and I love Mac. Max's a great human being. He's a great coach too. Yeah, well, that's good to know. Hey, let's throw up this Burt Reynolds uh, funny comment real quick, Matthew, if you don't mind, and uh, get this super chat up there. Burt Reynolds not a he doesn't think much of the Florida Gators in uh, 2024, and I, a lot of people are kind of uh, believe what uh, Burt's uh, throwing out there as well. I think they're going to lose eight games next year. Don't know if it's going to be that many, but it's a lot. They got the uh, probably. The toughest schedule in college football, if not the, but one of them. They they so, come to Austin, I think. Yep, they do. Yeah. Nice. So yeah, so Bert, uh, we, we we got to your super chat, buddy. Thanks for always. Uh, you know what's funny about Texas and Florida? That was the teams I always always used Texas when I played NCAA, EA, NCAA on PlayStation Two. I always used Texas, and then those from about two thousand four to about two thousand seven, two thousand eight. The Texas team we had would always match up with Florida. It felt like Florida was always the other team. I can't tell you how many times I played in a de facto national championship where you were playing Florida. You were playing those guys. And so to see Texas and Florida match up, I just always thought that would be a cool game. I think it's a cool uniform game. I think it's it, I think aesthetically it would be awesome. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one as much as Georgia. I saw Georgia a few years back, and so that that's – that's not as big, but Florida, that was the team I always played at NCAA when you play for a national championship, because that was the year they were making those runs with that, with that, yep. with that talent. That was the same yeah. time as Texas was. It was funny that they never matched up. And of course, 2008 national title, they should oh, have, but yeah, I, I digress. Yeah. There you go. Hey, hey, Matthew, let's go to Michael Williams, uh, super chat. Now we're talking about the bowl preparation and uh, clearly we're getting an extra week here with the the conference championship game i don't know if we want to consider this being extra practice time because we're kind of really focused in on oklahoma state there but what about that extra practice time that's always been a legend that uh, has been really good really good for young players uh what's the impact on the next season and do uh teams not going to a bowl game uh do they not get to practice uh no probably not right no you got that rod yeah, that I, I yeah. Once you don't don't go now, I went to a bowl game every year, so I don't have personal experience with. It, but from what I understand, you don't go to a bowl game, man. That's You're it. Done. Everybody gets to go home and you don't have season. your season is yeah. done. Yeah, no more with, no more no more practices. Yeah, you hang out with the family for the holidays. That's kind of what you do. Um, <laughs> but I'll say this: that extra practice time is huge. It's almost like an extra spring practice at the Absolutely. end of the season. That's basically what you get, and. From my experience, it's a lot of the younger guys that actually get most of the practice reps during the bowl games. It's it's strange the way it works out. And then when you're putting in the game plan, that's when all of the veteran guys get all their reps. But if you're talking about team and you're talking about kind of the inside drill, um, a lot of your one-on-ones, that's it, it you, you almost want the transition of the old team 
to the to next year's team. Like that's almost a transitional period practice wise, where some of the younger guys start to get a lot more playing time. And nowadays, now with the bowl games, if you're not, it's something to consider too. If you're not playing in a really important bowl game, like those, you know, honestly, college football playoff game might be the only important bowl games now, considering what the priority of young people are. They may not play in the bowl games. Like not everybody wants to play big time players. If the bowl game's not important to them, they don't want to play in it. They'll start thinking about playing in the NFL and start, you know, working out for the combine, that kind of stuff. Or they Sometimes don't want to that's agent and trainer involved. And now yeah. that these college kids can have actual agents before they get into the process, I think it's going to make this stew even more simmering. Like it's just, there's going to be something. I'm not a big fan of it, Rod. It's going to happen, man. It's going to happen at Texas. If Texas don't play in a college football playoff game, you go all them guys you just mentioned, Justin, that's going to the league, getting drafted by eight or nine of them. A few of those guys going to decide, no, nah, I'm not playing in this bowl game man, yeah. against Tulane or whoever the hell it is. I can't blame them. I can't blame them. I really can't. I, I, I'm so indifferent on that. And that, that's been a subject for as long as we've all three of us have been college football fans. Is that the right thing to do, the wrong thing to do? I don't know if it was as common, you know, back in the, the 80s no. and 90s yeah, as it exactly. is 2000s with when insurance. I'm telling you, when Willis McGahee's injury happened, I felt like I'm trying to think of another injury that really, really triggered this, this kind of mindset. And it may have been the McGahee one. That's, that's the most recent I, I can think of the top of my head. And the insurance policy and how important when you get an agent in your ear, it's like, look, you got to think big picture. And I don't blame them for that. And I don't blame the ones that go in out there and play. You've got some guys that they love playing with their team and they yeah. love playing football. They love the idea of playing in a big bowl game where there's five million people watching. They're a gamer type person. Some of those guys are going to run out there, whether they're first round picks or not. True. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Jalen Smith. Is that the kid's name from Notre Dame who played for Dallas? I'm a, Cowboys, oh, yeah. then the Saints, then back to Dallas, then I think he's yeah. been cut. Yeah. So, yeah, he blew out his knee in a ball. Ooh, I remember that. That was an that was ugly. Going. That was an yeah. ugly. Yeah. That was like an 18-monther. Well, and then Micah Parsons then said, well, okay, well, I'm not playing my last year. And it's still working. And it looks brilliant. And it yeah. looks brilliant. He's he's the best out. edge rusher in the in the NFL. Or next to, yeah. well, next to Miles Garrett. Yeah, there you go. Hey, Miles Garrett's more of a strong side defensive end, whereas Parsons more of an outside linebacker. So let's don't get it twisted. And they got him just as a D lineman now. They move him around the front all the time. Parsons? No, Garrett. 
Oh, really? Oh that's, oh, that's scary. No wonder the Browns' defense is so good this Oh, they year. do that moving that dude around in, in the A-gap sometimes. Somebody got to stand it up in the A-gap like a freak. <laughs> I've been watching football seriously for 50 years, and I don't know what the hell hey. the difference is between a defensive end and edge and outside linebacker and a 3-4. I don't know. It's really what just what on, gap on, you're on in. So I just kind of shrug my shoulders and nod my head and act like I know what everybody's <laughs> talking about. Rod, I think we used to just teach him in eighth grade. We teach him. Okay, I leave, I leave that for Ian Boyd to figure out. Slant that way. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> just contain. Yeah. Just contain. Yeah. Hey, let's go to UT parking, Matthew. Let's just throw a UT parking in there briefly, as we are talking about uh, some of the draft picks and like uh, Alfred Collins. He's kind of a slender build dude. He's not a guy that's going to add uh, a whole lot of weight real easily, is he? he is he, he's not going to. No, move, yeah, uh, he can add weight easily. Inside. <laughs> Collins can add. Listen, I had a picture on Twitter a couple of days ago uh, of Tavondre Sweat that I had from him his senior year when he was about yeah. 230, 240. Ooh. And Bobby, our, our our main man in Inside Texas, didn't even recognize who it was. Oh, wow. We had to tell him that's Tavondre Sweat. Yeah, you can add weight. You can get 20. Can Collins add 20 more pounds? No question. Can he play a nose tech, a nose tackle, one tech? I don't know if that's ideal, but I have learned, you know, for guys like Charles Amenahu and Puna Ford, I've learned those, you know, talking to those guys, if you're versatile on that defensive line, that's that's what they want. They want a guy that's not just – they don't want a guy that's just one spot is ideal, one spot fits all. They want a guy that can go up and down and do different things. So Collins, I feel like can do that. I just I don't see more than Mac. I don't see more than a day's effort. You know, there's no above and beyond just yeah. yet. And I think that's where Collins needs to assert himself. And another year of college, leading in that locker room might be the best thing because he is an incredible kid, credible family, and you will all you can always have to root for a guy. You want an Alfred Collins uh, on your team, but I do. It, Man, if there's one guy that would benefit, add 20 pounds, keep that versatility on the D line, it's him because he'll get drafted in the first few. Di- first, oh, yeah. he won't go past the second day. Rod knows they draft yeah. on potential, not production. I he would know. not go yeah. past the second round. And I don't know if you need extra 20 pounds on him. Honestly, I don't. Yeah, I, yeah. I think to Justin's point about the versatility, and I totally agree with you. That's it. like think about that, like because ideally the the I guess the the best example you would like to give, or I guess the ideal example ceiling wise for a guy like Alfred Collins would be Chris Jones, right? Body size. Chris mm-hmm. Jones is like okay. six, six, three, 15. Alfred Collins is like six, five, three, 17, three, 20. Right. Yeah. But the whole point is Chris Jones moves around. Sometimes he's on the edge. Sometimes he's inside. Sometimes in the B gap. Sometimes basically where the, you can match, you can basically hunt matchups with guys like that. That would be the hope for the Alfred Collins. I'm not saying he's Chris Jones, so don't don't start repeating that. All right, on the own Texas live stream. No, I didn't say that. I'm just saying his body type. He would he would ideally like you like him to be a guy that you can move around and you can move him on different areas of the front. All right, and you kind mm-hmm. of shift him around that defensive line. And I think he can do it. I think he has the versatility and the body style to do it. Um, does he have the uh, the attitude to want to impose his will on his opponent? no matter what shade up front he's playing. And I don't know if he has that right now. We're going to morph into kind of more of a direction of Oklahoma State now and playoff conversations. And let's just go to Gordon time. 
Uh, yeah, seven, let's go to the first. This, we're going to get into Oklahoma State fully in a little bit, but 7.16 p.m., Daniel Kinneman. Daniel, I promise you we'd finally get to you, buddy. I'm sorry it took so long, but I want to kind of ease into uh, this conversation because it's going to be the way we wrap up the last 20, 30 minutes of the show. Um, Daniel asked, is Texas really ready for the playoffs or would they be better served whooping up a slightly lower team in a New York six bowl, a New Year's six bowl? Uh, I see Rob shaking his head. No, this we can. Hmm. I mean, we beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I we're yeah. we're Daniel, not away from uh, competition. Go up. This yeah. team is without. If they get off this goal, if Oklahoma doesn't have a goal line stand in the Red River Shootout at the beginning of the fourth quarter, Texas is is in the playoff. That this is a playoff team. This is a team that could right. wind up in a national yeah. championship. And I didn't think that halfway in, until about halfway into the year. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you start thinking about it, almost every team, ex- probably except for, I don't know, maybe maybe Georgia and Michigan, they're flawed. I mean, they Washington's flawed team. Um, Oregon has that loss on their resume because yeah, they they dominated that game. But there was probably some coaching miscalculations. Everybody's got flaws. Texas flies. They're bad in red zone. Uh, that's probably their mm-hmm. their biggest flaw and biggest issue, which is why they end up losing the Oklahoma game. So they're not a perfect team, but they're a great team. And yes. they're they are this is a great team. And after they win the Big 12 title, I think they'll be in the conversation to be one of the best six teams in the country, which they are now. They're seventh. Um, but when that's the case, they'll have they'll be in the conversation to play in the college ball playoffs. So yeah, man, they're ready. You don't want them playing in that game against Tulane or whatever in the whatever the hell. What's it gonna be? It's gonna be maybe the sugar bowl. Which one is it gonna be? I'm not sure what bowl it's going to be, but you don't want them playing in that bowl game. You'd rather them playing for for it all. This team's special. To what, to, to what you're saying, people uh, who are Texas fans have been upset with the way we're not blowing everybody out. Go back and look at Washington's last six games. Those guys are, you know, just squeaking by just about everybody, but they're winning, and that counts. And so, so have we uh, been winning. So that's good. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, get into Daniel's next question just to make sure that we take care of it, Daniel, in case he's got to go uh, to the mini mall or something. Hmm. Score predictions. Let's go ahead and get into a Texas and Oklahoma State for a minute. Uh, he wants to know what you guys are thinking initially. We're, uh, what is this, Wednesday, three, four days away from 11 o'clock uh, up at uh, AT&T Stadium. So, uh, Justin, let me throw it to you first. What are we, what are we thinking? I don't know if you've done your uh, Inside Texas roundtable yet. You formulated an opinion yet? Uh, we have not done a roundtable yet. I, I don't want to necessarily give a prediction just yet because I don't have one just yet. I'll, I'll give a <laughs> prediction, but I'm not going to do a score because gotcha. I do have. I have to talk to Ian Boyd first. He tells mm. me everything I need to know about football, <laughs> like ever. So I just regurgitate <laughs> what he says so I sound good. Yeah. Um, Texas is. I, I have Texas winning this game. I, I love that Sark was wasn't on the. Coach of the Year in the Big 12. I love that Jade Barron was on the second team. I love that Mike Gundy said that it's blocking Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy is really no different than what they've been doing for the last 10 or 15 years against Texas handily. Um, I like all the little elements to it. And I love the fact what Sark said a few times, you know, they didn't just come here to just come here. And, the, in the I, you know, the opportunity to put something, to notch a year in a flag, on that stadium means something. Yeah. And I love, that's why I think 
in this current climate, Sark is, is the best guy for this job because he does, he's kind of old school and he loves the traditions and he understands that Texas, you do this kind of stuff, buddy, you're doing big things. This would be in year three, right? Rod, this is like, this is, this is nice. This this would be a big thing. And I think every one of them understands that. And as you know, Oklahoma state's going to give them a good game. Mike Gundy always, always, always dials up something good for Texas. He's had their number for a handful of years. We all know that. And you get, he evaluates, he's good at evaluation. He's got some good development. He always hits East Texas hard with young evaluations. And he's always, they're always good on that stuff. But I got Texas winning. And I will say this last week on the round table, I picked Texas to blow out Texas tech. I had it 55 to nothing. Ooh. I really thought Texas would blow out tech. Like I thought I, I'd never felt more confident in a pick that I'd ever made in my life. Uh, there was so many factors that led up to me coming up with that decision. And at this stage, I like Texas, Texas a lot more than Oklahoma State. I don't know. It's not going to be a blowout. It is not going to be close to what it was with Tech. Oklahoma State has pride. But the last three weeks, they have been sour. It, they haven't been the same team since they beat Oklahoma. I think Texas will pick that up. I think they'll smell blood. And that defensive front is everything. If they yeah. contain Ollie Gordon, this game is over. Rod, I'll let you weigh in. Just uh, throw something out if you'd like to. About uh, what do you what how, you may not have to give a score, but uh, how are you viewing the game uh, on a Wednesday night? Um, you know, Mike Gundy is is the hell of a coach, so Mike Gundy will have a, a really good game plan. He's a good problem solver, so he'll be able to kind of. That's why they're in the Big Twelve title game, right? They had a lot of problems to start the year. Um, he came up with a lot of solutions for this team and got them in the Big Twelve title game, even though they, they don't have a lot of talent. That's not one really elite trait. Um, about the defense, like the defense doesn't do anything really well. Um, I would say the takeaways is probably the best thing. They do have like 20 takeaways on the season. That'd be the one thing to be concerned about if you're a Texas game can really flip on turnovers. If you have turnovers early, that's how Mike Gundy team stays in the game, uh, especially because they control the game with the running game. Now, you have the best running back in the country in Ali Gordon. He's going to win the Dope Walker Award. There's no question about that. Um, I think he's got better stats than all the other finalists on the award, so he's going to win it. And the best running back in the country, uh, the best rush defense. That's my Jonathan play. Brooks grown, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know, but it, that, that's the reality of it. He's going to win I the know. award. So you'll have that matchup, best running back in the country versus the best rush defense. So it's the final exam for this rush defense, right? The rush defense is one of the best rush defenses in the Big 12 in the last 15 Number years. one in the nation on third down. Yeah, they're really good on third down. So this will be the, the final exam for them. Can they neutralize the running game? If you can do that, really, Oklahoma State, I mean, their their counterpunch will be the, the game in the hands of Alan Bowman, who's completing less than 60% of his passes, all right, who has more interceptions than touchdowns. Um, that's a guy you want to be throwing the football. In they had his number in Lubbock a couple of years yeah. ago. If they go pass first with that guy, that's, a, that's good news for Texas. As Justin mentioned, they're great. They're the best third down defense in the country. You get them in third long, that's, like I said, that's all wins for Texas. But if Ollie Gordon can have some some big runs, kind of like Taj Brooks did against Texas, and Taj Brooks is a really good running back, might be matchup-wise a better running back against Texas than Ollie Gordon because Ollie Gordon Mm -hmm. is a different runner than Taj Brooks. Taj Brooks might be a little bit more physical, making holes when there weren't a hole necessarily. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if they can – if they can tame and neutralize Ali Gordon, then they'll win this game 
you know, say easily, but they'll win it and they'll control the game for most of the game. But if Ollie Gordon can break off some big runs, they love the counter. They love the split zone, the inside zone. Those are runs that Texas really has been effective stopping, but this will be the biggest test they've had so far. No question. Yeah. You know, we talked about those defensive ends and edges and the like. Uh, those are the guys who need to stay home and make sure Ollie doesn't get a cutback on them because that's what that dude does. Yep. So uh, let Lane C. Right, English Trinity. I watched him in high school, yeah. man. He was just a. No. I thought he would just be a big back. I didn't know no. he was going to make this kind of an impact this soon. Yeah, he looks good. Wow. Hey, That's Lane C. Right. <laughs> we talked about uh, Ollie Gordon, and we we talk a lot about Ollie Gordon. But uh, Bowman, the quarterback, is averaging forty-four passes in their last three wins. What should we expect, uh, Tricky Mikey? to bring out Saturday. Now, you know uh, Gundy's going to try to pull some stuff because he maybe has to to kind of match the uh, superior talent that Texas has. I don't think I'm saying anything out of school there. I'm not trying to give uh, Oklahoma State any bulletin board material. Everybody, you know, you looked at the uh, Big 12 all-conference list. They were full of Texas players. Uh, what are we uh, expecting from uh, Bowman, the quarterback, and uh, what do you think uh, Gundy is going to pull? What's happened in the last three that they're like the – Last three or four games for them, there was their wide receiving core is getting healthier. They had a lot of injuries in their wide receiving core, and now they're getting some of the, those guys back. That's interesting, too, because I wonder guys like Jaden Bray it played the most snaps he's played since West Virginia, that BYU game. Leon Johnson, the third, is a guy to watch. He's trending uh, toward being a guy that may be, you know, demanding more snaps. He's one of their top receivers just in the last three or four games. He's trending. So I think that wide receiving core is getting healthier. And if you start looking at uh, what Alan Bowman's done in re in the recent games, in the last three games, they've been really balanced in terms of their uh, run pass splits on early downs. They're like at 50, in, in the BYU game, they're at 51% and 50% run pass split on first and second down. And on third down, of course, they're throwing the ball 60 70% of the time because they yeah. have to. But they're throwing the ball on early downs a lot more than you think, to Lane's point. You would think, oh, man, Ollie Gordon, they're running the ball on early downs 70 maybe percent of the time. That is not necessarily the case. And it's a lot of RPO stuff, right, a lot of RPO stuff early and a lot of easy completions. Now, here's the key. Texas took away the easy completions for Barry Morton. They took them away. How'd they take them away? They had their corners on the outside, field and boundary, playing a lot of press man coverage. More press coverage than they've ever played. They're playing press man, and they played their press match quarters. They were playing press on the field and the boundary. And Barrett Morton had no easy completions, and it took away a lot of those inside breaking routes, those slant routes. And he averaged, what, 2.4 yards per attempt. Texas may decide to do that again against Oklahoma State because they don't fear the receivers on the outside, if that is the case then they may be able to take away some of those easy completions for uh, Alan Bowman early on. Hmm. Hey, Texas boy had a super chat, Matthew. That probably fits better at this moment than some of the other questions uh, that we have. Uh, is there an offensive line? Are those guys going to be able to uh, fire off and get to our, our linebackers? Uh, what, do you, what do you think? I don't know, Justin or Rod, if you want to take this. Man, nobody's been able to do it because the D-line's been really good. I mean, that's yeah. – <laughs> The Texas defensive line keeps the linebackers pretty clean, and that's the best D tackle duo in college football. I mean, you got to devote three to four bodies at, to 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 Andre Sweat and to Byron Murphy alone. So, yeah, I mean, you can go up and chip those guys and try to get to the second level, 
Exactly. <laughs> See, there you go. And Justin thought it was a. I, I, I like that. It. I like it when Justin. I like it yeah, when Justin they, laughs maniacally at an answer. That means things are going well for the Longhorns. Hey, Kabir Hussein has uh, another question uh, for uh, Texas uh, or for uh, Texas versus Oklahoma State. So, uh, Kabir asks, do you think we can dominate Oklahoma State like we did against Tech? I think we've already heard some comparisons to uh, that game plan. Uh, blowout win would pass the eye test. He says, run it up, Armando. Leave no doubt. So, uh, Kabir, I think a lot of us are uh, hoping that that's going to be the result uh, as well. So, are there and, – and I know you've already touched on this, and I don't want to go back over a territory we've already trod, if that's indeed a word. Tread, treaded, trod. Uh, okay. Ashton Holloman, get on here and tell me I've got poor English, poor grammar. Uh, what do, what do we got here? Uh, do we uh, do you see similarities between uh, what Tech did Friday night versus what you think Oklahoma State is going to trot out on Saturday morning? Oh, that's a great. I mean, I don't necessarily see a lot of similarities. Oklahoma State is very different. They they they're they're a very balanced but diverse offense. And balance, I mean, that just told you the 50 50 splits. And Gundy likes balance. He's always been a big fan of it. And even when it comes to like personnel groupings, they'll run 11 personnel. They run 12. They, they're running 21 personnel now. I saw in the BYU game, they ran 21, two backs, one tight end. They're running 10 personnel with four wide receivers on the field. They run 20 personnel uh, with two backs, zero. To, I mean, if you you name it, they throw it out there. They got a fullback. Hell, the guy that went to Westlake, my man Ian Boyd told me. What's his name? Braden Cassidy, number 90. I, I know Braden. I know they'll throw the throw him out there because he's a fullback. He's playing. He had he came to, he came to Stillwater as a defensive end. Yeah, and now he's like they're they're fullback. So my my point is they're really different offensively than Tech because they just throw so much more stuff at you, way more stuff at you than Tech will. Tech's I don't know their offense has this much um, variety hmm. as Gunny's offense. Interesting. Let's talk about uh, the portal now. Michael Williams has a super chat, and we have probably about 10 minutes left in the show. So if you have a uh, question for us and want to get it on, please uh, submit it. And, uh, you know, we always move the super chats up to the, the top there. And we also have a few other questions we might be able to get to uh, before we wrap things up. But uh, speaking about the portal, Michael Williams is of the opinion the portal is completely out of control. Players free agents every year. What would you do to improve the transfer portal? Players commit to two years unless the head coach leaves. So, um, Justin, you're a guy who uh, evaluates rosters and players and where they fit and culture and those type things. So your opinion of the transfer portal, has it been a net positive, uh, negative? What's your opinion of the portal? And if it needs to be fixed, how would you do it? Okay. Um, That wasn't much, was it? Yeah. That would be a whole (laughs) other show. Right uh, on that, we don't have enough time. For, but I'll give you the cliff notes. Um, not a fan at all for a yeah. lot of reasons. I understand it. I think in some cases it's healthy. It's good. It gives these kids some some choice, some leverage with what they want to do and need to do. And 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 in a lot of cases, it's just guys running from adversity. It's guys running from fighting through a depth chart that they don't want to fight through. It's thinking grass is greener on the other side. It's more of that. 
than it is actual kids needing to go somewhere else and being somewhere else in the right spot because of a family member, because a coach went and he knows he fits better in that system because he can trade up because a team is, is, is maybe gives him more exposure if he wants to play, you know, at the next level, there's so many facets to it. The transfer portal has always been there. It just wasn't a database. Kids have been transferring from colleges for years. Now the rules have obviously been loosened like a, a Dolly Parton bar in, in, in 1975. But the truth <laughs> is you have to look at, you have to look at it like the rich just get richer because if you're a good prospect at a mid range school, you can trade up. If you're a high rated guy at a big school and aren't playing, you got to trade down a little bit or tra- or go lateral to, to find somewhere else. And it's free agency. It's its own business now. The transfer portal will be as business-like as the NFL free agency. It's going to have as much coverage. It's going to have average, that much content, that much storylines. And, again, it's portal's always been there. It's just a, an official database now. Uh, and the tampering, <laughs> that's not even a rule. Like, that's the thing. It, it's the Wild West. It's out of control, but it's – that's just the world we're in. I'll never forget talking to the Texas wide receiver coach after Brew McCoy uh, did his flip flop from USC to Texas. He came in on the plane, private plane to Austin. And I remember one of the coaches on the staff telling me, I think we just opened Pandora's box. Mm. And, I, I, and I'll never forget that because it's kind of gone in that direction ever since then. It's here to stay, get used to it. Be lucky you're a Texas fan. Because for any team outside the top 25 that's not really a P5 power, you're you're going to lose more portal than you're going to win. And it's going to seem really unfair. But that's just the separation that's going to be created since the NCAA basically said free for all. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I agree with everything Justin said. I, I'll say this. I got no problem with it because the players almost like, you know, the, the players now finally getting some – more freedom now they finally have some leverage in this business that they don't want to call it amateurism but it's actually a business and now yeah. the you know the the, the players student athletes you know they, they do have now some power in this thing and so I'm, I'm all for it because i'm a former student athlete and i would have loved to have had that i think the well the ncaa screwed up and they screw up a lot but they should have added to this transfer portal everything they have now i'm fine with the the, the loose restrictions and all that they should have added a GPA component. If they really cared about student athletes, they really cared about academics, which they don't. They should have added a GPA component and they should have said, listen, you can do whatever the hell you want to do. If you got a 3.2 GPA or whatever it is, go ahead, transfer, be a free agent. Uh. And then either these great, these student athletes would have had great GPAs and they would have been transferring, which is fine. You know what I mean? But most student athletes don't have that. As Justin knows, hell, do you know the you know what the you know what the highest a collective GPA was for Texas football in the history of Texas football? 2.8. 2.8. You could have made it 3.0, and most of the student most of the student athletes and Texas football players wouldn't be able to transfer. And people would have credited you with at least you're prioritizing academics. But they don't care about that because the NCAA doesn't think things through like that. So they should have added a GPA component. It could have been 2.75, whatever. But that would have been, I think, ideal. They never did. I don't know, Rod, if you were watching uh, 
Justin's uh, in the pews, uh, praise God, uh, moment there. But it was something to say. You need to watch back on the replay. because oh, I, I saw him. I got, he got the Holy Ghost. Yeah. I saw him. He, he caught the Holy there. Ghost. Oh, I, I, was filled with, I was filled with the Spirit. There you go. <laughs> Hey, let's uh, let's do Kevin Jones a question really quick, uh, Matthew, because I, we just saw fifty-seven to seven, Kevin. So I don't know what what you want, buddy. But uh, agree or disagree, days of blowing out things like <laughs> two thousand five are over. But no, so uh, and you uh, made a funny I, point, I, right? I you really did. Here, but but remember that, yeah, we we, we may not see. Vince Young was a singularly incredible football player who could just take a game and dominate and just suddenly you're up by 35 and uh, Matt Norgren gets his turn. So, you know, that was a special team. But, uh, Rod, what do you think? Uh, well, we, we I think see- it's interesting to bring up because talking about 2005, and thank you, Kevin, and Justin, can I think we'll probably have a great insight on this too. You know, those teams that Mac had that competed for those Big 12 titles, they always had these – um, like superstar quarterbacks and these kind of these superstars that were larger than life. And this team, they have stars, but I don't know if they have the superstar that's larger than life. Like Cole McCoy was larger than, I mean, he was awesome. I mean, Cole McCoy was, I mean, that guy went to, a, he was a Heisman finalist. <laughs> guy should have won the Heisman. I think we all agree. You know, Vince yes. Young, larger than life, iconic. And they, they, they were surrounded by great players. This team doesn't have that iconic know superstar presence but they have a lot of great stars and they have a have a great culture that's really contributed to them winning so maybe that's why they don't necessarily blow teams out um you know all the time but and i know 05 had tight games too so 05 didn't blow every team out but i do think that this team is is clutch man they find ways to make Mm -hmm. clutch plays in critical moments and now that's being held against them almost because they don't have the style points of the blowout wins, and they're being punished for those close wins when they had twenty something point, you know, I mean twenty something point leads. I think if they had not had the twenty something point leads, but pulled out mm-hmm. close wins, they would be less penalized than they are now. Because the perception was, oh, Texas was way better than that team. I told you Texas was better than that team. They should have blown them out, but they didn't blow them out. So, you know what? Texas don't know how to close. And that became the national narrative that has now really hurt Texas. And there's been a close game the whole game. Texas would be like, man, Texas is clutch. They just found a way to win. But now it's like, oh, man, Texas, they don't know how to close. And I really, it's it's a weird little psychological mindset, right? Great observation. I agree 100% with with that. Uh, Joe Cab, I should have brought this up, uh, but I didn't get a chance to read it uh, cleanly. But it's kind of just a comment from Joe. I don't know that we need to address what he says, but he's got his opinion about the transfer portal. He says there are thousands of players that enter the transfer portal and don't get picked up. Then they have to drop out of school or wait to find a school. I don't know if it's – is it thousands? But I know there's a lot, but I don't it's know. That's a that little high. Don't, that don't find that's, a home. Not, it, Joe, we, that, it, that's not that high. But, yeah. yes, there's ones that don't get picked up, and there's ones right. that, that have to drop out. And I, you'll, they'll either – they usually come back closer to home, a junior college, a D2, you know, something, you know, FCS, whatever, you know, if they're still in it. And then I know sometimes guys don't find a place. Sometimes guys didn't take care of their academics at the previous place, mm-hmm. and that is hurting them from actually tra- going somewhere else where they're necessarily going to have to go to, TJ, uh, you know, uh, a junior college or or they're not going to be able to play football. Long. It's a humbling thing. And that's why a lot of guys 
I, I just I'm so I, I'm against it for the most part, just because I think you're 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 running from building depth and confidence and and, and trust in a system and the coaching staff and teammates. Uh, this musical chairs in a locker room is not good for camaraderie. It doesn't always work that way. Georgia won back-to-back national championships with kids they recruited, developed, and cultivated. And that, to me, is the recipe. It's not signing every guy that you can that that, that was a five-star that, that just hit the portal. Um, and I love Sark being judicious with those takes. To me, that has been the most critical. Because Sark has had the resources to go out there and – fish as much as he wanted, but he's only bringing in a few guys. He's only bringing yeah. in the ones that the Marlins that are nice and pretty and, and that fit <laughs> in that locker room. He's not out there just to cast and catch. There you go. Hey, Joe cab. Thank you so much. Very grateful for the super chat and everybody that's uh, chatted with us and the super chats. Uh, we have a couple more to go. I believe we have three. Let's do the uh, Kyle Witherspoon. This is a big conversation that you'll see in all the national talking head shows about the, the, you know, college football playoffs in the cleanest path. Uh, Justin, we all know that uh, Florida State losing is the cleanest path for Texas. He'd love to hear your thoughts on what happens if uh, Florida State wins as well as Alabama. I don't think that's going to be good news for your beloved Longhorns, huh? What? No. Uh, thank but, you, Justin. Well, but if thank Alabama you. wins, I see, I see what Kyle's getting at. If Bama wins, then we beat Alabama. Then yeah. somebody else has to take the hit. I hope that yes. happens. But here, yeah, Kyle, we really do appreciate it, man. Uh, we really yeah. always do. Um, F- he's right, FSU is the cleanest path. I'll be honest with you, I watched every minute of Florida State, Florida last weekend. <laughs> that t- that game to me, Texas fans don't realize how critical that that loss was. To Florida, that if they beat FSU, we're not having any of these conversations mm-hmm. anymore. He, Kyle's right, that is the cleanest path, unfortunately. If FSU wins, I do think they're going to put them in there. They'll be in the fourth spot, but I do think they're going to be. They have a great team outside of Jordan Jordan Travis. And so if Bama beats Georgia, guys, Bama and Georgia are in the playoff. It's pretty simple. They're not going to deviate from that. I I have zero doubt the SEC champion will be in the, the college football playoff. And if it's Georgia's not that, then Georgia will be the other SEC team that's in it. Then it's going to be Michigan. That, that they'll be in no brainer. And then it'll, I guess, it'll battle out between Oregon and, and, and Pittsburgh. And so, I mean, Oregon, Pittsburgh, Oregon, and Washington. And so, FSU loses. Texas has a shot. If Bama beats Georgia, Texas shot is shot, and it, it sucks because the head to head will have not met what it should have met. But again. You know, Kirk Herbstreit's been on a soapbox about this for the last few segments. Um, you know, they want the best four teams, not the most deserving. And I'm just, it just makes me want more of a playoff. It makes me more, more, want more of what the NCAA Division II had done for years. You know, get them seated in a certain way and let them rock and roll in the playoffs. You know, it's I don't worry about the playoff as much until Texas beats Oklahoma State. Once they beat Oklahoma State, I'll get on the soapbox and I'll start – you know, you there know, you making that claim, and 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 Sark can can do his best Mac Brown impersonation and, and make that claim. Gotcha. Thank Two more are. super chat questions to go. Then we'll wrap this up. We appreciate everybody joining us tonight. Another good uh, Wednesday live stream, and we have a lot of fun here. Even some preaching going on. Some uh, heavy praying. <laughs> 
Uh, Ken Ward, Aneto Meazulo. Um, well, that is coming out party against Texas Tech. That dude was playing angry, looking for contact downfield. Might be nastier than DJ Campbell. I believe he wears uh, number 72 out there, and he was busting people up. What do you think yes. of Aneto? I don't know if uh, you paid attention to him, Rod, and Justin. Uh, what did you see on the field the other night? Oh, man, I, I, I thought the O-line actually played really well as a group. Um, I thought they played pretty now. I mean, you look at the running backs and how, and how it seemed like to be one of those uh, those those parties where it ain't no fun if your homies can't have none because <laughs> all of them got in on it, man. It was so. I, I think we got to get some props to the O line as, as a group, and I agree with you about Neto. But it, it seems like that they may be starting to find their their confidence and continuity. And hell, that was the second team offensive yeah. line that was out there too that was playing really well. So I got to give them props. But after Jonathan Brooks went down, man, I, I was wrong. I thought that would be a natural regression in the running game. I mean, hell, you've had two 100-yard rushers after Jonathan Brooks went down. And against Texas Tech, that was probably the best rushing performance of the season overall, just considering how everybody contributed. It's been pretty phenomenal what's going on with the running game. So hopefully that's what's happening right now as you're finding the Texas O-line that starts to find their groove as a run-blocking unit, period, no matter who's in the game. Because that's what it seems. That seems to be the case. Yeah, I can tell. Neto's. You can see the development, the improvement. He's been getting in a little bit more sparingly than he did earlier in the year. You know, there's a lot of depth there, but I can assure you of one thing: he is not nastier than DJ Campbell. If yeah. I if I was going to have to meet one in a back alley, I want to meet Neto. That's just I'm sticking to that one. And I think I'm not speaking. I think I'm speaking to what Bobby Burton said the other morning. I think he said Cam Williams is about as good a run blocker as he's ever seen at Texas. I think that's what Bobby said a couple of mornings ago. So he's he's, he's really statement. impressed with Cam. Williams. Bobby Ray, Bobby Ray. Yeah, go. You'll find that tape. I think that's what he said, and it was Cam. So uh, he likes that big fella. Finally, Daniel Kenneman. So I'll say this before the last because this is kind of big picture. You know, people have been criticizing Sarkeesian for his uh, lack of, uh, you know, double-digit win seasons. Uh, Daniel Kinnaman asked, so has Coach Sarkeesian turned the corner as a coach from seven-win Sark to a sustainable nine-plus uh, winner and being consistently in things like uh, the Big 12 championship or SEC championship moving forward, um, playoffs, things along those lines. Is this the step that Sarkeesian needed to kind of – get that thing off his back and maybe move forward with uh, the great recruiting classes and the scheme and the like, are we going to see a different Steve Sarkeesian moving forward? Um, I believe so. I think he, he put it all together this season. I, I said, this was ultimately, you know, going to be a season where it was an indictment on Sark as a coach, or it was going to be, you know, part of the, the beginning of his ascent to being a great coach, right? Cause Every, there were two. There were basically two sides to the Steve Sarkeesian argument going on uh, prior to this season. And one side was they were the Sark truthers that it was only a matter of time before Steve Sarkeesian proved that he's a great and elite coach. He's just had some setbacks here and there, but it's only a matter of time. Go look at everywhere he's been. Teams have gotten better, and there's a lot of valid, you know, data points to prove that argument. 
On the other side, there were the seven-win Sark people. The people thought, man, there's no way Sark's going to be a great coach. He's had plenty of opportunities to do it, and he's never happened. And if you believe that, then you're not believing in the actual uh, resume. You're believing in, you know, things that don't exist. You have faith that he's going to be a great coach, but you have no evidence to back that up. Right. And you know what? Both sides actually were making valid points. I, ain't gonna, I mean, before this season, you could argue either side was, was, you know, the winner in that argument. This season was going to be the ultimate determining factor in which side was going to win that argument. And I think the side of the Sark Truthers right now, they look pretty good because the Sark Truthers are saying, hey, man, I'm telling you, it's only a matter of time. And look, boom, now Sark is proving he can be a great coach, a championship coach. And Sark himself said, you know, this team looked like his team more than any team he's ever coached, talked like his team, played like his team, ran like his team. He said this was a Sark team. And the only question was, was a Sark team a championship team? And he's going to prove that, hopefully, on Saturday. Yeah. So uh, we all probably heard the, uh, I don't know what they were called, rumors, but comments from some folks who uh, apparently claimed to be in the know. This was before we ever had Steve Sarkeesian associated with Texas saying that when Saban steps down, the next guy they put in that position might be Steve Sarkeesian. I heard that. I don't know if you guys ever heard that or not. But I'm seeing the guy now that the people at Alabama saw could be potentially the successor to uh, what would be the worst job to ever have is trying to follow Nick Saban at Alabama. So I'm sure uh, Sark's uh, glad that he's in Texas now. Joe Cab threw a uh, super chat at us here. So let's get to Joe here. Well, Rod, you're our exes and those guys too, tactician. You think that uh, the Cowboys are going to run some no huddle on Saturday? Uh, they could. The, in the BYU game, I believe it was a six-minute stretch in the third quarter where they ran an up-tempo offense. They spread things out. They didn't run a lot of pre-snap motion, which is what a lot of teams do, including Sarks. When they go up-tempo, they cut out the pre-snap motion because they don't want the pre-snap penalties, and they want to go quick. Uh, so, yeah, you could see it because they did experiment with it in that BYU game. So And it makes sense. You can neutralize the Texas pass rush if you go up tempo a little bit and we've seen that work multiple times against Texas. So uh, yeah, I mean, Gundy's going to pull it out. I think everything that we've discussed that is an issue for Texas offensively and defensively and even special teams, he's going, he's going, he's going to bring it out. He's going to throw it out there. I guarantee you just because he's such a great coach and he is going to troubleshoot just to see if it's something that they can attack and exploit versus Texas because they don't have a lot of advantages and he's got to find he's got to find these things in the thinnest of margins. And special teams will be places like that. And yes, I think he'll go up tempo at times and in our most most inopportune times, especially when Texas goes wholesale changes on defense. Remember they the wholesale rotations on defense. They taking out Byron Murphy. You're taking out Tavondre Sweat. Hey, I want to keep those guys off the field. There you go. Hey, Rod, thank you. I think our streaming services are about to. Uh... I see my little wheelie thing going and yours and Justin's all. So maybe that's the message from the uh, the streaming service that we need to wrap it up. we got more than an hour and 20 minutes, everybody. Now, Ashton. Hi. Sarkeesian would. Uh, there were rumors that Sarkeesian would be the guy that would follow. That's what I mean. Not not now. Uh, yeah. Okay, we're losing everybody, it looks like. I'm not sure. But thanks, everyone, for watching us on the Longhorn live stream. We're really grateful that you uh, have joined us. Yeah, buffering, buffering, buffering. I see somebody comment there. 
Uh, let's wrap it up. That's the one uh, more live stream. Now we got Rod buffering. Uh, I think that's again a, the symbol, the signal that we should leave. So that's it for everybody. We'll see you next time. Good night. Take care. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs>